Thank you for listening to City Hill Dubai podcast. The Exodus is our brand new series about God's salvation coming through in a time when people are scared and vulnerable. In the series, we also look at questions about finding our identity, our purpose in life, and how to find hope in unprecedented times. Join us in this epic journey where we will discover redemption, identity, and hope. A video format of this series is also available on our YouTube channel, City Hill Dubai. For more information, visit www.cityhillglobal.com. Hi everybody, I'd love to welcome you today from wherever you are around the world, whether you are here in Dubai, which is where we're going to be doing this, or you are somewhere else in different parts of the world. I know we have people joining us from the UK and from Australia, from India and other parts of the world. I just want to welcome you. We are continuing with our series and today we're going to be looking at Exodus 12. And today we have Harold, who's going to be bringing the word of God to us. He's going to be unpacking this scripture and really telling us about this scripture. It's a very exciting passage. It's about the Passover. And I do believe that the Passover in this passage really does prelude the passage that goes after this, which is in Luke 22, which is the Passover feast where Jesus Christ comes with his disciples to have the Last Supper. Even at this moment, we pick up that it's the Last Supper before the people of God are able to cross over into the Promised Land. But the Last Supper was there where Jesus had a meal with his disciples just before he was to go to the cross. And we, through Jesus Christ, were able to cross over from death to life. So today, I'm going to ask Harold to really unpack this and just give us a, a brief synopsis of this passage, because some of you might not have read it, and uh, just hearing from Harold, I think, will be really helpful what this passage is about. Over to you, Harold. Thank you, Fuzi. Exodus uh, chapter 12 is a very interesting chapter. Yes. It's an epic story of God and his rescue mission. Yeah. God loves us people. Mm. And so we find, uh, in uh, as we unpack Exodus 12, we find the pass Passover, but we find there are several key highlights or pointers in this. Yeah. One is the Lamb of God. Mm. Uh, second is, is the blood. Mm. Uh, then we are talking about every household. Mm. And we are talking about deliverance mm. out of Egypt. Great. So God asks uh, the people of God that we. this is, by the way, the last plague that... Uh, the Bible talks about. So remember, we have 10 plagues. So this is the last one of the firstborn. And God says here, if I remember correctly, that I'm going to strike Pharaoh's firstborn and I'm going to do it um, through the death, the angel of death really passing over. And when the angel of death comes to Egypt and he, wherever there is blood, the blood of the lamb that the people of God would have sacrificed, wherever there is this blood, the angel of death won't touch that household. Am I right in thinking that? That, that is, that is, that is ab absolutely right. And each time I think of the lamb, mm. my mind is taken back to Genesis chapter 22. Mm. When God spoke to, to Abraham, he said, Abraham, take your son, your, your son, your beloved son, and go to the Mount Moriah and offer him as a sacrifice. And, and as you know from the passage that while Abraham is about to strike his son Isaac, God speaks and says, Abraham, do not lay a hand on your son. Mm. But, but in, in the thicket, 
a ram has been caught mm -hmm. and the ram represent kingship mm -hmm. and uh, Abraham in the end takes the ram and sacrifices it but 2000 years later on the very same Mount Moriah mm -hmm. God did not withhold his hand mm -hmm. The Lord Jesus Christ died on that same mountain 2,000 years later as the Lamb of God slain for you and for me. What a demonstration of God's love for his people. We often say um, the whole of the Bible is about Jesus, but sometimes we don't fully understand that, right? So that passage you're referring to in Genesis about Abraham sacrificing his son is about Jesus Christ, that instead of um, Isaac being sacrificed, he was spared so that in the future Jesus might be sacrificed on our behalf. The same thing that you just said now that even the passage that is at play that we are looking at now is about the ultimate sacrifice which is that of Jesus Christ. Do you want to unpack that a little bit? Uh, absolutely. The, the Bible is full of, uh, of images mm -hmm. and shadows of things to come. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and so uh, every time uh, Israel would offer a lamb it's pointing towards Jesus Christ who, when, who would come 2,000 years later and when John the Baptist saw him, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Mm. Okay, yeah. that's, that's really good because what's happening here as I'm picking up from this story is that God instructs Moses and the Israelites to go and sacrifice a lamb and they are to eat all the meat and not leave anything. There's no leftovers here, Harold, which is an interesting one. They are to eat all the meat, but then they are to dip their high soap and um, put on the doorpost the blood of that lamb. What does the blood signify? And what does the lamb signify in this story? When we, sp when we speak of the blood, again, I'm reminded of of the thing that happened to me many, many years ago while I was still in school, I was sick, I was taken to the hospital and while the nurse inserted the in injection to drop, do a blood test, when I saw the blood, I fainted. Uh, that was the <laughs> first time it happened to me. <laughs> but there are several things that come to mind when, you, when a person sees blood. One is blood, when there's a sense something churns within, mm -hmm. in, within inside of you. It's quite repulsive, isn't it? It just makes you want to grinch a little bit because we're not used to blood. We don't like blood. I've never that's, heard that's anyone true. say, I just love to look at blood or smell blood, smell so good. And that's why you fainted, Harold. Probably. Goodness. And <laughs> when, when, when God sees the blood, I think that's the same thing he feels. Mm. You know, when he sees sin and the, the repulsiveness of, of sin and... Uh, and the Bible also says, life is in the blood. Mm. It also says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of, of sins. Mm. And uh, that is one reason that Jesus Christ came to die and shed his blood mm. for you and for me. Mm. We could never uh, offer our sacrifice because mm. our sacrifice would be sinful. But Jesus Christ, the uh, sinless Lamb of God. He gave himself for you and for me. So the whole story of Passover really is a story of Christ, as you just clearly articulate. So the first thing is the blood, um, the lamb, and the sacrifice and all that. So the lamb that was slain here is without blemish. It's a perfect lamb. It's pure, and it purifies us as well. It cleanses us from all our sins. That's, that's what you're saying. And 
And Jesus is that Lamb of God, isn't it? Yes. That takes away the sin of the world. So the second thing there, so the first one is the, the spotless bright, uh, Lamb of God. And the second one is the blood of Jesus Christ is the one uh, you know, that was sacrificed, um, that was poured out, in a sense, so that we too might have relationship with God. That's very exciting. That's very interesting to hear. And, and this one, one more thought. We, which I heard a preacher speak about, when when they applied the blood of the the lamb on the doorpost, it was on the sides and the top. It formed a perfect triangle. This triangle was reaching up to God. But when Jesus Christ died on the cross, there was another triangle. Yeah, with his hands spread wide and his legs. It also formed a triangle. But that triangle was reaching down towards man. So that's a very interesting kind of uh, observation. Wow. So the sacrifice then of, of this lamb meant that Israel, it wasn't to do with the fact that they were good people. It wasn't to do with the fact that they were well-behaved people. It wasn't to do with the fact that they were morally good in any way. It wasn't based on merits. It was based on the fact that they had put blood on the doorpost. And when the angel of death came and saw the blood in the household, the household was spared. So that really is the message of the gospel, isn't it? That we are saved by grace through faith in Christ. It's not of our own doing, but it is the gift of God. God has done it. Faith is not through performance, but faith is through obedience in the one who's already accomplished and achieved it for us. That is the power of salvation because salvation, um, for many people think, I have to do certain things to please God. No, if the blood of Jesus Christ has been spilled, if the lamb has been sacrificed, and you put your faith in Christ Jesus, you are saved. Is that a good way to summarize it? Yeah, I think that that's a perfect way because no matter how hard we try, I think we'll fall short. We'll fall short, uh, you know, because the Bible says, you know, even, even our best works, or the best that we try is like filthy rags, yes. you know. And, but there is someone who's already done it and who's paid the price. And, you know, and he's done it all and he accepts us. We receive his righteousness. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's a kind of a trade-off. Yes. You know, we give our filthy rags for his righteousness and his robes of righteousness. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I just want to appeal to you, everyone here, if you are watching this and you are reading this story or hearing about the Passover that is about the, the blood of Jesus Christ that has been poured out and about his body that was sacrificed on the cross, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, the whole world. So you might be thinking, my sin is so heavy, even God can't bear. Let me tell you this, the good news is that Jesus can take away your sin. And by the way, when the people of God were under the, 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 the blood, they weren't panicking. They were free and they were having a nice supper. So, it is faith through uh, grace that you are saved. God wants to save the world through his Jesus, his son. So, it means we won't have to die this death of separation from God because Jesus, the Lamb of God, has already died so that we might live. So, we have this relationship with God now. And, and that's where the Lamb and the blood in 
this passage is is so significant for us to understand. But the second one I would like to 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 bring to you is what you mentioned earlier about the household, which is the household of God, because it looks as though here God had given instructions that each household was to do this. So that each lamb was representing a household that they will slaughter a lamb, sacrifice it, put the the blood on the doorpost, and then as a family, have a meal together. Do you want to say something about household? Eh? Sure. I think when when we we think of household, we think of the, the father, the mother, and every child. And God is concerned about every individual mm-hmm. of the household, yeah. no matter how good, mm-hmm. no matter how bad they are, and yeah. how much they've blown blown it. And when I think of the household, I just I'm always reminded of the story of the prodigal son. Mm. Because in that story, the younger son comes to the father and says, Father, give me my inheritance. You know the story. And then he goes away and he spends it on riotous living. The famine comes. But it's interesting. The father is always waiting for the son to come home. Mm. They didn't have internet. They didn't have WhatsApp, no telephones. It's only waiting for somebody to bring news. And the father, I think, Every morning and every evening, he's on that road waiting, the same road that the son left, waiting for him to come back. Mm. And the question is why? The son had blown it, brought disgrace, shame to the family, but it shows the father's love for the Mm. son, Mm. for the household. And he waited, and when he saw the son coming back, he ran to him. And the Bible says he hugged him and kissed him and kept on kissing him. You see the love that the father showed for the household. Mm. So what what I feel that, Everyone in the household is important, mm. no matter how good you've been mm. or no matter if you've blown it as well. Mm. And when God looks at the household, he loves everyone in the household. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? Because the, the story here that we are picking up here just goes to show that how, how much God really loves family, that he is for household, isn't it? So, and actually, these ancient cultures, everything was centered around family, not the individual. It's interesting how now life has changed so much. It's about my salvation. Of course, uh, you you are saved as an individual, but you're saved into a family, isn't it? So the Bible even uses um, metaphors, which are modern metaphors, that we are the household of God or the family of God. So the people of God coming together as households to share this has a bigger, greater significance, which speaks of this great household of God. Even later, there's the bigger household, which is the whole nation, of course, crossing um, the Red Sea to go into um, the wilderness. So there is, there seems to be here, Harold, an emphasis on the corporate more than the individual. And I think sometimes we see our salvation and our Christian walk as I'm saved, I pray, I do this, whereas God is seeing it in a corporate sense. And that's why he's plugged us into the body, which is called a church. And, and oftentimes, yeah, I think there's, a, there's a, an unhelpful Western thinking of individualism and the spirit of individualism which has crept into the church where it's about the number of times I can go and pray and do business with God is not so much to do with God and others, but we are saved into a family, into a household, isn't it? And I think that's so significant. But a lot of times people would think, okay, 
If I go to church, I don't have much in common with these people. They are so different from me. What would you say to that? When God looks at the household, he he looks at everyone. Like I said, everyone is included. And from, from the individual to the household to Israel as a nation, and then when you come to the New Testament, it's the, it's the church. So the, the household keeps growing bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm. And so now we can't say that you know, I don't belong to you, you know, because we are one in Christ Jesus. So mm. whichever country we come from, and as we add to the church, we become part of that household. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And we got to love one another and care for, for one another. Mm. It's no longer that individualism. Mm. We are part of a bigger uh, household, the household of, of God. Yeah. So the interesting thing here is uh, looking at all these metaphors and examples, and particularly the story, you look at the fact that they came together in households, and together they were protected under the blood, and together they were saved from this destruction, and together they ate uh, the meal together, everything, there was a sense, a strong sense of togetherness here. And I guess uh, we come from different backgrounds here at City Hill. We are very different and we all speak different languages. And oftentimes we can see the diversity as a reason why we shouldn't mingle and spend time together. Whereas that diversity is a gift from God, but also we need to focus more, I guess, on what we have in common rather than what we don't have in common. So, for instance, the same blood that was poured out on the cross by, uh, through the death of Jesus Christ, for me, is the same for you, which makes us part of the same household, isn't it? And, and, the same, and I had the weight of sin over God's shoulder that has been placed upon him from me is is the same as what was placed from you. And what does that do? It brings us together. We have more in common with each other than we realize. In fact, that's why the Bible says, make every effort in maintaining the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. The one mind, one heart, because we also have one spirit and one Lord. So there is a sense here that we truly are a household, aren't we? And so true. And I think we are blessed to be in Dubai. Yes. Because the reason is we have so many nationalities uh, in City Hill. And, uh, you know, I, it thrills my heart to see people just mingling with one, uh, sharing food together, going out and, you know, just having fun together. And it, there's so many nationalities. It, it is a powerful demonstration mm. of the love of God. It's powerful demonstration of the church. I think we are sending a message loud and clear, mm-hmm. uh, not in city, but to many churches as well and many nations mm-hmm. that here, this, this is what heaven looks like with you, with people from different tribes and languages and nations. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's the heart of God all from the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, he told uh, Abraham, Abraham, you'll be a blessing to nations mm-hmm. and the nations are coming in. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we are seeing. So everyone, the church is a family. Is a family of God. It's a household of believers where God dwells by His Spirit. He, He, whatever, when, when two or three are gathered together, God is there and He comes and dwells in the midst of His people. And He's not a God of the individual, just the individuals. He's a God of community. He's a God of family. So your salvation is 
it might be personal, but it's not about just about you. It's about us together. You were born into a family. CTL, we are a family. And I may I call on you and charge you to do everything you can in maintaining this unity of the spirit. It's not just about the number of times I've been on a Zoom call when we gather together on a uh, Friday. It's not the number of times I've gone to a prayer meeting. It's the willingness to be together as a household. God has given us a common vision, a common purpose. We have so much more in common. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you're from India, Africa, the Philippines, or you know, the United Kingdom, it doesn't matter. Pakistan, wherever you come from, we belong together. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. So that's really exciting. So we are saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus which is the first point that you made. So it's not based on our performance. It's based on the one who died so that we might live. The second one is that what you said about the household, that we are part of a family, not just saved, but saved into a family, which is a family of God called the church. But he also said that you want to talk about deliverance as well, because what we're picking up in this story of the, the Passover is that the people of God, after the, the angel of death passes over. Pharaoh seems to relent, and he's now releasing the people of God so that they might be set free from Egypt, so that they might go and worship their Lord as they said they would do. Can you unpack a little bit more on the issue or this topic of um, uh, deliverance? Sure. I, mean, I just love how, how it ends because this is God's rescue mission. Yes. Yeah, and... When we talk about uh, deliverance and coming out of Egypt, uh, th th there are several images that, that come to mind. One is, is being set free from Egypt, mm -hmm. but also being set free from bondage, mm -hmm. set, being set free from our past, mm -hmm. the sin, mm -hmm. uh, the sin nature, mm -hmm. uh, the sinful habits. Mm -hmm. And God seems to be breaking that in a, you know, or people's lives. Mm -hmm. And how do we relate to it in our present? Mm -hmm. You know, when we come to Christ, God break the power of sin over our lives. Sometimes people can be uh, just trapped in have sinful habits, whether you name it. It could be so, some drug addiction, could be alcohol, could be uh, things what people watch over TV which they're not supposed to watch. Mm -hmm. And God, through the power of His Spirit, can break. There's nothing that God cannot do, and God can break, break, break. Uh, the power of, of sin yeah. and the bondage over people's life. Mm -hmm. And in Exodus 12, it's a very powerful, uh, visible demonstration of what God can do mm. in a person's life. Wow. It must have been a relief for the, the people of God because they, I'm sure a lot of them never thought the day will come when they will be free and set free from bondage, from slavery, from the, the, the Pharaoh's gods because they ended up serving Pharaoh's gods and some of them knowingly, some of them unknowingly, because they were building everything for Pharaoh's gods. So now they're free from his gods. They're free from Pharaoh. They're free from Egypt and whatever it represented. And they're free from slavery and their taskmasters as well. So now the people of God are free. I think it's, it's similar to a lot of us when we, whenever we are facing addiction or we are facing big sinful habits, we tend to think, oh no, there's no, way I, there's no way I can be free from this, whether it is pornography or is 
um, addiction to maybe even a mobile phone or, you know, it can be great and small. It depends how we look at it. God has the power, you are saying, to set people free from all our sinful habits, even the ones that have been there for years, for ages. God can set us free and he can deliver us and bring us out of that. Um, so that sounds exciting, Harold. Is there anything else you want to say yeah, on that? You know, Jesus said something, whom the Son sets free will be free indeed. Yes. You know, and the big question is, if a person wants to be free, 50% mm. of the battle is over. Sure. You know, the other 50% the other where somebody prays for them mm. and, you know, then, uh, and then the setting free takes place. But if a person desires to be free, like I said, 50% of the battle is over. So oh. that's the good news. And I've, I've seen it over the years. I've seen people when there's an de earnest desire to set me. See, the deceitful of sin is always to hide something. Mm. And as long as a person is hiding it, it's very difficult for him to be free. So there's power in secrecy. and Exactly. Uh, and That's what that. happened in the Garden of Eden as well. They hid. So that the very nature of sin is to hide things. Mm. And you isolate. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's certainly true. And I think what we are picking up here is the power of God over any situation, circumstance, or the sort of things that we would say, nobody knows my battle is greater than they realize. God has the power to set us free from bondage, to set us free from our past, to set us free from our guilt from our past. And we are currently doing the freedom in Christ. We did the steps yesterday as a, in our city group. And it was such a joy to just pray the prayers of freedom over my life. And I believe others as well. So it's really such a joy. But I realized there's a, there's a continuity and discontinuity here in that the people of a cross, cross the the Red Sea, but they're not yet there, as in, in the Promised Land. In the same way as now we are saved by grace through faith, but we're not there in the fullness of all things, that one day Jesus Christ is going to make all things new, isn't it? So one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. No more bondages, no more slavery, no more addiction, no more um, Pharaoh, no, or whatever he represents that we will be set free by the power of the Lamb because Jesus Christ has won the victory over Satan, sin, and death. Saved by grace through faith, part of a beautiful household of God. And one day we will experience the ultimate victory of Jesus Christ on the cross. That is exciting, amazing, amazing news. But I do believe that what God also said here was he said, you continue to remember this. And we've just, we just broke bread on, uh, on, uh, on, on Zoom, and now we're here, and we are talking about this. And the whole thing of remembering what, you know, the story of the people of God, how is that similar to remembering Jesus in, uh, when we break bread? Jesus, do this in remembrance of me. Jesus said, as often as you do it, remember me. And there are many things that we can remember about Jesus. One is for as we read the Bible, we remember things that Jesus, the stories, you know, of the miracles, the healings, the deliverance that he, he has done. Mm -hmm. 
but there are many things that we can remember that Jesus has done in our own life, mm. you know, where he, he set us free. Mm. Uh, I'd like to share in my life where, mm. you know, when I was in school, I studied in a boarding school to be tough. You got to use the language. Mm. And I remember every second, third word was a bad, mm. bad word. And when I come home from my holidays, I would be scared. My mom would find out about my language. Uh, but when I became a Christian, God cleansed that immediately Amen. out of my mind. It was a miracle that happened. Yeah. You know, and, and it's the same way that there are certain things God just immediately in, in a person's life. Some things we need to work at, mm. but some things God miraculously does in our lives. Wonderful. Harold, can you pray for us even as we end now, particularly on the issue of um, deliverance that God will set us free from all powers so that we might live free in Christ. Sure. Over to you. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for the power of the cross. We thank you, Lord, you died on the cross. You took our sin, the past, the present, the future as well. And when you died, you said it is finished. You took even our shame, Lord Jesus. We thank you that the power of sin is broken over our lives. Whom the Son has set free shall be free indeed. And Lord, I pray that today, all those are crying out to be free from whatever addiction, whatever is holding them back. I pray in the name of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, freedom will come. They'll walk in the newness of life. They will be set free that they might worship God in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this time. I hope you enjoyed just hearing from Harold and the input and the wisdom that he has because through this, I'm beginning to see how God is able to use each and every one of us to help one another in our lives to find this freedom. And we certainly are doing the Freedom in Christ course at the moment. And it's been such a joy just hearing of people's lives being transformed. And I trust that um, even during this week, you'll be asking yourself some of these questions in seeking to live a pure life uh, before God. God bless you and enjoy the rest of your week. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Exodus series. To find out more about City Hill, visit www.cityhillglobal.com. We'd love to hear from you.